0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co host today is the fantabulous C.R. Rice. And our guest today is Dee Lambert. Woo! 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 Okay, they'll add a track. It's they fun. add a really cool. One. <laughs> it's good. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I did something fun from our sponsor, Skunk Brother Spirits. I don't know why I do that. It's terrible, but they have a chocolate cordial that I found this bottle that had yet to be opened, and I mixed it with hot chocolate in my stormtrooper mug so Ooh. yeah I did that I'm not sure if it's appropriate I'm gonna find out in a little bit I haven't tried it yet
1: CR what are you drinking oh, you Got
0: fancy
1: so I went and have been kind of feeling just like run down today so I did some Gatorade and vodka gotta Gatorade get
0: electrolytes back up yeah you gotta get your electrolytes back audience listening no it's not <laughs> no D what are you drinking
2: well, I've got kind of a local flavor because uh, this one is called a French beach out here, um, but most people will know it as a London fog. So this is um, a tea with my favorite Mama Bear mug that oh. I got as my mo- at my um, baby shower back in the day.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Oh, I love I love London fogs. Yes, we do call that that here. So. And by the way, this is amazing. So just, oh, is it good? It's recommended. I was wondering yeah, if, your if you're listening, you can mix your thing in cho- hot chocolate. I'm sure they're like, don't do any recipes from drinking with others.
2: <laughs> I think we did well with all three mugs coming out today. We had a travel mug there as well. so
0: I'm only allowed to drink out of these. No glass? No glass. No glass. No you no, can be barely trusted to do this podcast let alone be in charge of glass objects just kidding exactly D, for everybody listening <laughs> can you talk about what you write a little bit
2: um i write fantasy i started off in the young adult sort of category and then migrated over to a bit more adult so sword and sorcery style fantasy novels primarily i throw in the occasional short stories here and there but mostly uh, yeah, fantasy novel writer
0: very cool. And when did you begin this journey into writing?
2: I'm one of those people who just likes to keep my brain busy. So I wrote for fun for many, many years. Um, I mean, probably starting finishing my first story when I was 17. Um, but then I wanted to make it better and better and better. So I spent a lot of time working with writing circles, editing, learning more, going to conferences, Um But then I started feeling like I needed to take the next step and push for publication. So I published my first book in 2019 um, and I've now got five out currently.
0: Very, very cool. And your first one, how so how are you published? Let's ask that question.
2: Well, my first three, that's 2019 um, and they were the young adult series those were done self-pub so I put them together myself I contracted an artist to do the covers she did an awesome job still love her um and uh did that one followed by two others which were a duology um and then I got picked up by the four horsemen publishing um last year it's been just about exactly a year now and oh, wow. um they've taken on my next two they're planning to do six books in the series and we're up to number three coming out shortly I believe in May Okay, and the what is the name of that? A solid six. Yeah, was, well, six plus. They were, you know, there's a there's a spinoff already on the series that we're aware of, and then who knows? I've got more.
0: There's so many more. So, what is the name of your first series? <laughs>
2: um, so the first book was just a standalone, um, and that one's called Dragon's Voice. So it was just kind of introducing the world. I wanted to kind of get a flavor for, you know, were people interested in this world? Was it something that I really wanted to do? And I thought, you know, if it flops. It's a standalone. I'm not going to be heartbroken. Um, So I did that one first and because it really was uh, well received and I had a lot of fun doing it, to be honest, um, seeing those characters come to life and being able to actually talk to people about the characters coming kind of out of the closet of being a writer, because that's my I I don't this is not my day job. Um, So I had to admit to people that I write fantasy novels and my head is sometimes elsewhere imagining things. but it was very well-received, so then I published the next two. That's the Weapons of Espar pair, so there's two. I kind of want to call it a series, but it's just two books right now. So, um, And that's um, Dragon's Talon and Soulburner are those two, named after the Weapons of Espar.
0: Very cool. And then the next series. The
2: next or series, um, that one is the Son of No Man series, um, which they tie in because they're all in the same world, the world of, um, well, the, the King of Espar and the world of Taint. Um, and they, um, they do tie in, but the Son of No Man series, the six book plus, right, plus <laughs> series, plus, um, plus, plus, that plus. one is sort of a prequel. It's sort of like just telling the story about how the kingdom came about. Um, I wanted to show this the story of how the history was really written by the victors in the end. And so the legends that they heard of in the books Dragon's Talon and Soulburner; these legends, Soulburner making an appearance um, as well. This is where he comes from. Um, I wanted to show how those legends—well, they were they were based on a kernel of truth, perhaps—but they had definitely changed over time. So this is the true story of what actually happened, um, and it's not as legendary, perhaps. It's a lot more dirty, a lot more deceptive in some ways. So it just goes to show how history can be manipulated so much over time.
0: I think that's such a fantastic premise, actually, when you think about writing, writing, taking the legends and going, okay, let's explain. And they're not legendary legends like they're like, this is what actually happened on this thing, (laughs) which I think is very true for history, period. Rarely. However, histories were told unless there's video evidence. And even sometimes when there's video evidence, it gets told. You can find video.
2: It's a little different. Yes. I mean, a lot of the, hip- the fantasy books I've read, the old age was like this, you know, era of magic and amazing things that were, you know, well, we moved beyond and it's not like that anymore. So it was easy to see how the legends are always bigger or larger than life because they were, there was more magic and more beasts and just more crazy stuff. Um, but Espar wasn't like that. It just is the same amount of magic. It's just that the story gets inflated and manipulated um, a little bit of kind of false news stuff going on, just um, so that they get the story that they want in the end and it becomes the legend that everyone believes.
0: That is very cool. So, you That's built this fun. world. What is your world building like? Do you have, do you keep it all in a computer? Because it sounds like you do a lot of thinking and probably adding to this. So, what does world building look like for you? I
2: started with a map. I seriously started with a uh, drawing and I just put stuff in to start. There's mountains over here. There's a water over there. There's a city on the mountain. I don't know about that. We'll figure it out later. Um, And that's what started that. Um, And then I expanded it as I kind of once my character wandered off the map, I'm like, well, darn, I better come up with a bigger map. Um, And we just had to keep going that way. Um, I try to keep track of everything on a I have a file. I guess a lot of people call it a, a story Bible. Yes. Um, I've, I've heard that term tossed around and some people have actual like binders that they're they're hauling around. Um, Miner is a series of about two or three files. Each story gets its own version. Um, although there's some copy and paste when you have multiple characters showing up again. Um, and I'll include things like names and you know if this guy's been stabbed and he's going to have a limp it's the left side or whatever. So I try to keep track of those things. Any facts that I've tossed in whether it's you know, the fact that he's got a scar on his right or his eyes are blue or I don't know, anything like that. I, I toss in there to make sure that I'm consistent with it. Um, and then it's just you know, names and places. And beyond that, I have a timeline version as well, just to show because of how much uh, time I covered between the two different series, I had to track down where were you when that was happening and how long has it been since there? I'm dreading the um, series plus. I think there's a time travel one coming up eventually. That's going to be trouble. So I I needed that timeline one as well. So I just have multiple files on the computer that sort of track all the different bits and pieces. um, And uh, otherwise jot them down basically as things show up or as needed.
0: That's very cool. What about when you're keeping track of notes? Because you said you like think about stuff. How do you keep track of notes? I have a crap ton of voice memos on my phone if anybody got a hold of my phone i'd probably be arrested and if i'm arrested somebody (laughs) please show up and explain what these voice memos are since i write horror it's it's terrible i'm like can you disembowel using you know like it's It's like please please purge
2: my search history please because i'm a writer and (laughs) things come up on google um yes i've done that before um googling some really uh inappropriate stuff i'm sure i'm on a list um But no, I have a notes. I actually have a notes file that's, um, you know, shared between all my devices that I can just pull up um, and I'll usually write them down. I I don't do voice memos. I did very briefly. I tried it and I can't stand the sound of my own voice in recording. So it just drives me bonkers. Um, So I just use the note file instead and it just updates. So.
0: No, that's very cool. I It's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> listening to your own voice, I had that at first. And then I was like, I don't care. I'm just, Maybe I can fine. get over I'm it gonna, with practice. I'm just, <laughs> I have to, because I'd be driving and I'd be like, you can't really write a note when you're driving. And your boyfriend can only take so many texts of weirdness. Like, can you disembowel people with a tree branch? <laughs> like he, you know, I scare him sometimes <laughs> because he's like, what are you writing about? And I'm like, you know, a serial killer who plants people under trees and blah, blah. And I figured out how this fertilizer and stuff. And he's like, back's just slowly out of the room. <laughs> like, I, I think he's covered, but I, I did have to start going, okay, you know, hit the button voice memo, you know, that sort of thing or reminders. Siri likes to put them a lot in reminders. So I'll suddenly get a reminder. Can you disembowel somebody with a tree? And I'm like, copy, no, like <laughs> This so makes you nervous gee, when you cross borders if they're going to check your phone as you say. Oh, I'm in so much trouble if any of that happens. My search history, everything. Not that as writers we don't go down rabbit holes. Mine is really, really bad. Like, how long does this kind of poison take to take effect? And can you actually chloroform somebody? And <laughs> all, I, I literally need to be nowhere near any crimes because I am screwed if I am. Like, just well, move to a
1: mountain. That was, yeah. I see. I feel like the whole thing's premeditated now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> take a note when I'm around. No, I'm not dumb enough to kill anybody within a couple degrees of separation from me. I, you know, watch mm-hmm. any amount of snap, and you know that's a bad idea. Um, so, writing, when you go to read, so I have this question. I am a pantser. I also do not keep a lot of notes, and that's my own situation. Um, so, I go back and reread the previous books to go okay now I'm ready to start the next one in the series have you gone back to reread your books yet at all
2: I do usually if I'm working on a series I'll read through the whole thing um I've because I wrote them a while ago and I've edited them a lot I know most of it um, the only part I have to go back to is the things that I've changed, because one thing about being a writer and, and doing it a lot is you definitely learn and you improve and you you keep changing things for the better, I hope. Um, so I have to occasionally check and be like, wait, did I change that? Or is that still true? Um, and go back and find it. But I can usually pretty good on my find, like search and find kind of things. I'll just zero in on the area of, of interest. I'm a pantser too. I do not plan these. They just show up and just go and that's fine um, but I do try to write things down as they come up um, just so that I'm consistent especially when you're doing like longer series if they're standalones I probably wouldn't bother I've got a few others in the works that don't have nearly as big of bibles but that's because there are only one or two books at this point once you get to six um, you know trying to make one story out of it then yeah I've written down a lot of stuff
0: well, that and these are not tiny books. So I don't, I don't write books nearly the size both you and CR write them. They're way mm-hmm. bigger. And so if I did that, I'd probably have to be a little bit better at it. But no, I don't. Oh, oh no, that's a lot of, that's amazing. <laughs> and I envy that, but my stories aren't that long. Question, what was it like when you started getting fan interaction for you? So you put that first book out going, will everybody hate this? you go. <laughs> basically and it, it yeah. did it was surprising um it's not surprising it's so you're <laughs> an author so that's <laughs> surprising. but no, what
1: well, was the most negative was, thing i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> it's like this was complete shit i had no idea no like, i was, clearly I was people
2: it wouldn't be terrible it was mostly what people would think it wasn't the book itself i was pretty sure it was pretty You know, run of the mill, like it was it was gonna tick a lot of boxes and it was a fun story and you know, I figured it would do fine on it on its own. It was more of how will people view me when they find out that as a hobby I'm running around with dragons and magical swords um and figuring out what herbal remedies will kill you. I don't do real poisons, but I usually have to use the uh the other ones, uh the natural remedies. So Um, That I was really worried about because um, fun fact, I'm a veterinarian in my day job. So I have a lot of science and logic and all that kind of stuff going on in my day job. But when you turn around and try to turn that into a fantasy novel, um, I was terrified that people would, would, well, maybe respect me less as a veterinarian if they thought I was that well, fan, you know, frilly and, and silly, basically. Um, that didn't happen at all. Then I've actually had clients come in who are like, "Hey, I heard you wrote a book. That's awesome." I've had clients come in and be like, "Can I?" Buy- I actually keep some of my books at my workplace because I get people who ask me for them. Well, I'm, you know, after now well, that you've done with the dog, can you, you know, sign this book? Um, it's uh, it's been really, really heartwarming. Um, the community is fairly small as well. So once. I admitted I was a writer it was bound to get out and I was going to get questions from it so it's it's still embarrassing for me like I still flush and I'm still like oh that's yeah I do Um, it's a bit silly stuff but I enjoy it and off I go Um, but it's been really they've been so welcoming people are so excited Um, I think a lot more people read fantasy than admit it perhaps there's an awful lot of people out there who won't you know go out and say I'm going to buy this fantasy book but a ton of people are reading them anyway I'm one of them. Like I wouldn't have admitted as much what I have read, but um, if you get to the, when you find those kindred spirits, that's when it it kicks in. So I've now done book launches at the local library and I've been able to chat with people on the streets and uh, at markets and stuff like that. And it's been so incredibly supportive um, that I'm kind of kicking myself for holding back in the first place.
0: Well, I think you should, because I think most of the time people, I mean, there might be some different genres where you know, if you publish an erotica book, they might've been like,
2: <laughs> that's what? a little
0: harder to justify this. Yeah. One, no.
2: It, yeah. They're, they're a little tamer, thankfully. Um, although there are some sections.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. But that, that's not your lead in line. You're not like, <laughs> no, the cover about doesn't, these you know, the cover characters have their clothes on, so we're good. Yeah. So let me ask you, did you read a lot of fantasy growing up? Were you like a, a, a fantasy nerd when you were growing up? I, I was. I read a ton of books for a lot of
2: years. Um, you know, I'd played through oh, Robert Jordan and I've done ter- um, Terry Brooks and um, Terry Goodkind and all of like all the main series that were circulating at the time. I, I had read them all. And what actually happened, the reason I started writing was that I, I got kind of bored with it. I loved the ideas. I loved the stories and the, the potential for it. But after a certain point, authors have a, seem to have a tendency of sort of telling the same story, but with different names perhaps. Um, and you get to see some of their patterns. Um, R.A. Salvador was the worst for this. You're like three quarters of the way through, somebody's gonna think someone else is dead every time. And it became very, very, very predictable. And I got kind of bored. I, I'd pick up a book and I'd be like, this, this, read the back. Okay, this, this, and this is gonna happen. Um, and I was right, so I decided to just write my own stuff because I wanted to try something new, and I wasn't finding new stuff. It just felt like we were kind of getting rehatching of the same again and again. Um, and I've, I've heard that said actually that if you're if you want to be a writer, if you read, stop. If you haven't read, start. Um, so I think you need a good repertoire of of books that you have read, but then once you start writing tone it down because i think otherwise you you borrow too much from the reader the books you're reading and you want to be able to be creative and do your own stuff um but you do need to have a balance between reading and writing
0: i agree and i think also depending on what genre like if you read a lot of those books and i read a lot of the ones you're talking about including ed greenwood like i read all of the tsr you know forgotten realms you know terry weiss and margaret or margaret weiss and yeah, I read all of those too, and they, it's really funny because I didn't end up writing fantasy. <laughs> but I those say, were the books. Everything that... you write <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really you know, complement itself very well, but that's okay. Yeah, it's it was weird. Well, I did so much um, gaming and like Dungeons and Dragons games and stuff like that. When I finally sat down to write, that's not what I wanted to write. But when I sat down to write, I had to do some reading into my genre because. I was like I'm going to write horror. I've always been a huge fan of horror movies and stuff, but I I hadn't read a ton of horror books. So I started reading horror books to go, okay, what are they doing? So sort of to your point, I was like, let me see how this works. How do they do the pacing? How do they do reveals, you know? And find that how do you do that? Because I've seen authors get so incredibly clever that they think they're being so like great at this hiding this little nugget and you're like literally nobody knows what's happening in your book at all. So I don't know what no. like this super <laughs> secret stuff you have in your head is, but you, It's too secret. Yeah, it's way too secret. And you <laughs> need to have some ten- some some trickle out to have uh, the tension build. Exactly. And so I I did that, but I, I to your point, I I've also read especially in fantasy a ton of um self-published mainly many years ago, not recently, books that were kind of like the lord of the rings or you know the sword of truth but it was rewritten like you were you're reading it you're like i feel like i've read this oh i know why i feel like i've read this book before because
2: i have the other 12 books that are like it and i think a lot of like when you start that's the easy thing to do it's what you're familiar with and it's a great place to start it's just not the place to finish
0: agreed agreed and i and what's also interesting in, in in that is that um a lot of times I think some authors are great at writing books and whatever but I think um the bane of getting trapped into like you have to write this and this series and this is like a publisher thing right at any point in time I'm proud of Four Horsemen for that if you're like I am not feeling this series anymore I'm going to move to this other thing you want the freedom where you can read books in series where you're like how much do they have to you like what was the string that they had to write this continued series i don't know about you guys but i've read series where i'm like they're just phoning it in at this point they're like yeah they've, they've given well, up on
2: it they're not really their heart's not like, behind it they're just dragging it out basically
1: or their deadline was too close oh yeah like, i always it? feel that way yeah and it's like it starts out really great and then all of a sudden so it's like tina had to get to the end of the forest but she met the dog and there was a river and all of a sudden it ended she was out of the forest and it's like, no, wait a second. You definitely skipped a couple steps. Like you could just tell that they ran out of time. And we're like, well, here we go. And if you yeah. get big
2: enough, your name's <laughs> going to sell the book anyway. So just, you know, the publisher's yeah. eager to get it out on a timeline and they, they toss it in maybe not as i always laughed about um, JK Rowling and how you had the first book is, you know, whatever, three quarters of an inch and the next one's about three quarters of an inch. And the next one's sort of closer to an inch. And the next one's like, I was like, the editor just gave up. Like, you know, they don't they're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter anymore. And and you can tell by the last time last couple of books, you're like, there was some stuff in there you probably could have tweaked and, and improved, but you didn't have to anymore. So the quality kind of slips.
0: I agree. And I also think if somebody gets a big name, Stephen King talks about this a lot, like he had an editor on the cell. and <clears throat> talked about this on this podcast. He has a link on his website to report issues with his books because he had the person who edited the cell was too afraid to edit him. And so the book came out and it was full of, not, not only just typos and stuff like that, but full of like plot things that needed to be tightened up. And uh, if you go in being afraid of your author and you're not doing that, then their book is gonna come out not great. And that's exactly what happened with the cell, is it came out and then Stephen King was like, nope, new rule, report to me if there's issues in my books. Cause I will get it fixed instead of, I would, I mean, if you're him, I'd hate to hear about these editing failures from a magazine or a review or wherever you're hearing about it from where you're like, what the crap? What do you mean? This was misspelled three times. Why didn't you just Mm -hmm.
2: tell me like, come on, you don't need to be coddled.
1: Right. And nowadays you would be blasted on the internet. Like they would just be like, is this person even trying anymore? And then you would just be like destroyed for six months.
2: Well, Amazon wouldn't like, even you... let you do it after a certain point. They, they flag in your um, eBooks, they'll flag typos and stuff like that. Are you sure this is right? And you have to go through and be like, yes, it's fine. Um, that's fun as a fantasy writer because the number of that things, like, this right. is not a word. I'm like, you're right. It's not. Please leave it.
1: Um, that can't be right because I read so many books now oh, that bad are sometimes. the indie authors that the, I'm just like, how did this possibly, even if you write in Word, Word would have caught the means You didn't even go through it. Yeah, but
2: like, really, Ozon, are you really trying? Well, they'll flag them for sure and they'll ask you to check them. But again, if people are just popping it up, hitting OK, 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 and moving through. Although apparently you can report them, I've heard. I've heard authors bemoaning the fact that someone reported a typo or some such thing and their book is frozen or paused. Yeah, or something I did that like a couple that times. until they address this problem. <laughs> and It's like, wow, that's serious over, you know, I, I wrote NAD instead of and I'm sorry um but that doesn't seem like a bannable offense yeah, Well, see no, I didn't know it
1: did that and I definitely have been one of those things because initially I thought because it was a new thing added in right so I thought it was one of those things it lets the author know because sure, and like, I would like to know right as an author right like to no know it, tell me. I yeah I went to reopen to finish the book and like I couldn't get in and it said the book was temporarily disabled
2: oh no I was like oh no <laughs> And Making a poor author sweat, be like, oh, no, I have to fix this within,
1: I
0: forgot what timeline it is. But, it's like also, 72
1: hours or something. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: I think, you know, it's interesting because companies go to those extremes. You, you got to figure, it wasn't one report, or it's Amazon, a hundred reports, or probably even a thousand reports that caused them to actually go in and make some you know, programmatic changes to their system. It had to be so bad that they're like, okay, we can't, we can't take this traffic anymore. We're yeah. going to do this thing. And, you know, Amazon for its own fun and delightful things, I see why they go about doing stuff like that. Because you go, this goes out there, they sell it, and then people are refunding or rejecting. And, you know, then they're having to deal with all of that fun, delightful stuff. Yeah, not, not pleasant, not pleasant at all. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and talk more about fans because I have more questions. We'll be right back. Our sponsor today on Drinking With Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Gunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc or visit their site, www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. Yeah. Okay, we're back. So let's talk about reviews and fan feedback. How was that when you first started getting actual reviews and stuff like that? Do you read them all?
2: I try to, um, and thankfully, mostly they've been good. I don't think I've seen any that have been particularly abysmal or heart-wrenching. Um, so that's been fun. That's good. It's it's actually, I love getting reviews. Um, I get ridiculously excited about having a review. Um, you know, I'd like it to be a four or five star, clearly. That would be much the best type to get me a nice high. But, um, but you know, I'll take what I can get. Um, I like learning. I like seeing what people liked or didn't like, or if there was something I should have done differently or whatever. But um, it's just that cool moment where you're like, hey, they get it. Oh, they read it. That's even cooler. <laughs> so I love, love, love getting reviews um, anywhere. I found one. I remember going through at one point, was like, I didn't see that one. And I was so excited i had to announce it to everyone on the social media platforms
0: it was like a year old or something and i was like but i just spotted it it matters so fun no it it totally does matter and some people do really well reading reviews and some not so great reading reviews especially if you get um negative reviews but what about in person has anybody come up to you that's read the book and talked about the book to you
2: i had one at the the Christmas market because I launched right before I guess all of COVID's nonsense sort of happened. Um, so I launched in November 2019, my first book, and so initially I was at like Christmas fairs and stuff like that um, locally. Again, small small town. Um, we have a summer's market, um, and so during um, periods where we could, you know, we we're doing the summer market with the local writing group and all of that. So i have been out and talking to people about it in the launching, but there was this one man who just absolutely made my day i didn't catch his name and i'm feeling guilty for that um we were at i think it was a christmas market last year um able to finally have people out and and coming by and everything and i happened to spot him like beelining through the crowds between these little aisles right because i'm there i am with the uh souk writing collective just sort of a local group of writers who help support each other and um put out the anthologies and all this kind of fun stuff so they had a table there I was there selling my books and helping others sell their books and everything Uh, anyway so he beelines through the crowd comes up and snatches up the newest book um, immediately and I was like oh you know that's book two you know if you want to read book one he's like no I've read all of your books I want this one and I was like okay (laughs) that was just um he was so enthusiastic about being like yes I've got the newest one celebrant is out now I'm taking it you know um he was he was absolutely thrilled and it was the first time I've had someone who walked up not just like hey this looks interesting I'm I'd like maybe I'll try one of the books or I'll pick one up for my kid or something like that um or my fellow fantasy reader um but it was the first time I had someone who's like no I've read everything you've written um and you've got a new one I want this one so that was really really exciting
0: very cool did he talk to you at all about parts of the book or anything like that
2: um, a little bit. Um, he told me, well, he told me that the first time he picked up the book, he ended up finishing it in basically 48 hours, which is very complimentary. That was very sweet of him. Um, he was excited to see where the rest of it went. Um, he was talking about how, I mean, Raiden was a different character and that he was really enjoying the going down that route, that he'd enjoyed the other ones with um with Donoran and with Cairan and all of that. But um, he really liked Tomas, like the new character introduced in Raiden. Um, so he was like really curious to see where this was going to lead. Um, so he was, uh, yeah, they said very enthusiastic about picking up the new book and of course getting it signed. That was very important to him at the time.
0: Sorry, did you work on your signature when you first started signing books? How did that go?
2: I sign differently quite on purpose because um, I sign things all the time as a veterinarian and that's my full, you know, doctor so-and-so's name. Um, whereas I do a different signature, just the D Lambert. That's why I go as D when I'm a writer so that it's D dot Lambert. Um, although one thing I started doing was dating them because I realized that um, it might matter. So I, I have a signature and I always, I had to figure out the hardest part was figuring out like a, a you know, those generic catchphrases or like addresses when you're not saying you know dear Timothy you know have fun whatever kind of stuff if you don't have those ones you just want to sign a few what do you say I worked on that for a while I probably overthought it what did you come up with (laughs) enjoy the adventure
0: (laughs) and not bad
1: not bad at all what is the weirdest thing somebody has asked you to write in a book like Um, when you address it to them
2: I had one that they had a nickname that they wanted to address it to um and it ended up being something like squirrely or something like that it was it was very different and i didn't want to ask because it was for an adult so i was i'm sure there's a whole story behind it but i think that was the weirdest one but most people aren't very specific on their address they're like just send it you know write it to meredith or something and you're like okay dear meredith enjoy the adventure and that's it Um, but uh they haven't had a lot that have been terribly specific
0: Wow. No. And the, that dating book, uh, the signature is a great idea because people will be like, look, I got this done in 2021. I met her in a market, you know, well, because when you're being kind of famous, remember. everybody's going to be like, she doesn't go, to, she didn't go to markets. Like that's not <laughs> one day. <laughs> you can't see her there. Chels, as I monopolized the first half of the entire podcast. My supposed- goes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so you said you're moving for more into, like, the adult range. Yeah. Is it because you got tired of doing young adult, or is your does your stories, like, follow the same characters and they have aged?
2: Um, it wasn't that I got tired of it. It was just the way that the story went, basically. And that goes with being a pantser. You're, you're implying I thought that through. It just happened. <laughs> um, but I think, honestly, though, the main reason it probably happened was that when I first wrote... Um, The Weapons of Espar series, I was, uh, that was one of the first stories I finished. I was 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, And while they definitely went through various incarnations and hopefully came out better for it, um, by the time I was writing Tomas' story in The Son of No Man, um, I was 21, 22. Um, So the character kind of followed me up with that. And so he was older um, and just farther along in life. So it ended up being a more adult story as opposed to you know, finding a weird place in the world and coming of age and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is very different. This is more about leaving a legacy. Um, so it's more of an adult theme in general. And all of that just went along with it as a result.
0: No, that makes sense. Um, CR writes a uh, young adult, but is about to jump into the realm of adult books for her series. Yeah, they get
2: dicey. Are they getting older? Is that what it is
1: for you? Uh, no, it's just I, each realm has a different genre to it, and so we're going kind of with a dark, darker noir theme in the next one, and young adult can obviously read it, it's not like it's getting super grungy sex scenes or anything, it's just, it's a lot more violence, so it'll come with a little warning on it, and all of my characters are pretty much eternal, so like age isn't necessarily why I did young adult, so... It's just situational.
2: <laughs> well, that's just it. You can have a young adult main character who's a senior, but you can also have an adult book whose main character is a child. It's not about necessarily right. just right, the age of the character. It's more about what are they going through and who's going to relate the most to those experiences.
1: Well, yeah, that's exactly. pretty much how it started. It started, you know, with a, a kind of just like a, a fun beginning and then it just, it gets darker. So it's definitely going to be a little bit more mature next realm a little bit.
0: A little bit more mature it
2: gives you a mature. chance to explore though and have fun like you're not telling the same story you know that again and again and again like so many people fall into this is the formula that works so i'm just going to keep doing it whereas i'd rather see something that's new and different again
0: you know so what books are really challenging you now as a reader
2: oh right now i am for the first time ever reading the Outland, um outlander by um diana gabaldon I'm just for some reason have never read it, and I know it's been around forever, and everybody knows it now, mostly because I guess of the series on the t- TV but um, I'm actually reading that right now, and I'm finding it very difficult, which is a weird thing to say because she's a good writer. she really is um, but it seems just a bit disjointed, and I'm having trouble kind of getting into it. Everyone loves Jamie and I'm like he's a bit of a jerk. no he's a total jerk regularly um, he's also very endearing, and I get that, but
0: He just annoys me. Well, see, (laughs) if you watch Vampire Diaries, everybody loves Damon. And he literally kills all these people that Elena's... And everybody's like, Damon's the greatest. He's so
2: devoted. No, he's violent. What are you talking
0: about? I'm scared for her safety. (laughs) Like exactly you they should be scared be. for their safety this she's the most good, iconic of them in all? love
2: with this person anyway that's that's my challenge currently i'm trying to get through it um but it is i mean the, the premise of it the story is is pretty good but it does go into the total grungy like originally the sex scenes were quite tame they kind of alluded to things and like hand moved down and that's it and then you're and then you see the reaction you're like oh i know where that went but it doesn't spell it out and then halfway through no there's there's no question it's quite explicit um so i it was a weird transition to watch I, from a very objective perspective like putting my writer's hat on and re- seeing it from a writer's perspective i was like you changed your style as you went and maybe it's because you discovered it more or once you've got the hook in you don't have to worry about it i don't know but it was uh, it's it's been an interesting um yeah it's been an interesting read so far
0: do you finish all these books like do you are you a finisher are you a finisher? i am a finisher
2: there's like two or three books i have put down and not read um like not finished i can't tell you the name of them because i honestly forgot um but i have i had one that just disgusted me and i i had it up to here and i just i just put it down and i didn't didn't go back um but no i generally speaking will always finish a book that i start i think i'm maturing to the point where that may not be the case anymore um, i hope
0: you do because it's a gigantic waste of time that's it is. What I tell if you don't everybody. like a
2: book i feel like you should you know but the thing is i usually love reading so much that i do like most books like i actually enjoy them if if not from a you know fantastical just escapism perspective but also just from a you know informatory like i'm learning from these kind of things or seeing what they did and what they did differently and why is that interesting and um like i i love reading just in general so for the most part i will enjoy most books even if it's You know um just non-fictions about parenting techniques or something like i will still enjoy reading the book um so there's a few ones that will just disgust me to the point where I, i won't but i haven't run into a lot of those i'm pretty careful though i don't do horror i i have an imagination that will take that horror and it will keep me up for months um, so
0: I can't that do the horror read and I, can't. any of my books, that I have would never, I'm so sorry, weird.
2: but I won't either because don't. I don't, it will disturb me. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I'm just one of those people who, when you see it, it really becomes quite real in my head. I don't know if that's like everyone or if it's just my brain fixates on things that it sees in, in writing. And so it's not safe to read horror. Um, thriller is pretty tricky as well. And I cannot handle child endangerment anymore. That's the hormones. Um, as soon as any, any child's in danger I'm tearing up a cartoon one the other day I was watching and and the ch- the cartoon child was dying and I was like teary-eyed it's just a disaster and I never used to cry in movies or anything before I was never that emotional but now child endangerment I'm like no I'm out
0: no that makes sense I think that's true for a lot of mothers and parents and stuff like that see, it writers gets- gotta know and, and what then- they're doing <laughs> and killing I'm just going to say this killing dogs so mm. you're a vet killing dogs like that not that animals don't get killed but for whatever reason most especially dogs dogs yeah do not kill dogs don't in books. kill a
2: dog in your story or you will get hate mail like it is it's epic I, I once saw um, a commentary that was that there was two articles run in the newspaper at the same time one was about a man who'd murdered his wife um, and the other one was about a man who'd um, drug a dog behind his car. Um, and the newspaper got like 10 times more stuff about the dog than about the wife. And that's just people, you know, they don't, what it, there's a website for it now too as well. Does the dog die? I think that's the name of the website. I might be wrong. But if you're ever in a movie and you're watching and you're like, oh no, there's a sweet dog. But does the dog die? Look it up on this website. They will tell you because people get bona fide angry if you get most of the way through and they kill the dog, right, that they're going to walk out of that theater. They're so mad.
0: Yeah, no, completely. I got to ask a vet question though. because. inevitable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not, it's actually how you arrived at the vet thing, because I say this a lot. um, Having nannied a ton of kids and, you know, I have my own kids and I feel like almost every child, but mainly female child goes through the, I want to be a vet stage usually right around 12 years old, 10 to 12 years old, somewhere in there, the, I want to be a vet. Right. And then they were a ballerina. Yeah. (laughs) When did you start that journey?
2: I I didn't do it as a super, you know, the classic story from vets is like, I always wanted to be a vet. And so I did. And I worked hard and well, mostly what happened was every time I had to decide for a moment, what I was going to do with my life, veterinary medicine came up. So career prep says you have to do work experience. And I'd be like, well, I'll do it at the vet. Um, I need to get a summer job. Well, I'll do it at the vet. So every time I just kind (laughs) of went, gravitated back to the vet. And then I finished my first, like I actually was three quarters of the way through my first degree doing bachelors of science because my brain is very science oriented. That's just the way I am. My whole family's scientists. So that's, I guess, how we're hardwired. Um, So I was at the uh, University of Victoria doing a bachelors of science. and I got to year three, just about to start year four. And I'm thinking, well, I better figure this out. I'm about to graduate next year and I need to decide what I'm going to do with it afterwards. Right. So then, you know, the, the crux comes and I have to make up my mind. So I went and I volunteered over Christmas at a vet clinic because that's what I always came back to. Um, and you know, I just, I loved the mix of science, you know, thought you, you have to problem solve. You have to use the facts that you've got, um, but also talking to people, engaging them, educating, um, the, all of that came together. I, I liked that every day was different. You didn't have to do the same in a, day in, day out. You actually got to, you never knew what you'd see in between you know, the next day. So um, I asked them to be my sponsor for or my reference for applications. And uh, I applied my first year with very little experience, which means I was not high on the list to, to get in that year. I worked the next year to get my experience up. I was number 19 out of a system that took the first 15. And I missed it by it that much in, from BC. Um, so I then decided, uh, so help me, once I decide I'm going to do something, <laughs> publishing is an example of that. Once I decide <laughs> I'm going to do something, I go and do it. And so I applied abroad and decided I was going to, do, and I went to school in Edinburgh um, and uh, got my degree Oh wow! and, and then came back. That's very
0: cool, though. So how
2: long were you over there? I was in Scotland for four years. Um, I got into a couple different vet schools, but I went to Edinburgh um, because my main mentor, um, Dr. Smith, who's over at Anacare, I I loved his style of medicine. The fact that he was honest with people about what to expect. He really focused on communicating with them. I loved it. Um, So I figured if that's where he went, that's where that must be a good school. And and, And he told me that if I went to Glasgow, he'd never talk to me again because there's a there's a rivalry between Glasgow and Edinburgh, a good old healthy rivalry. Uh, anyway, so um, I was there for four years, got to travel parts of Europe as a bonus, um, got got my degree from the school um, whose graduates started the schools in, in Canada. So I went to the motherland, basically for vet school.
0: Oh, wow, that's very cool, though. And then the writing. So you, you were 17 when
2: you started writing? When I started, like, finished my first novel, I mean, I've been, I have this terrible story from when I was four that my mom just gave me for Christmas that she kept from when I was four. That was like, uh, Once Upon a Time, there was a princess. She lived in a castle. She had a dog. She loved her mom. The end. (laughs) That
0: was my first story. Tell me more. That's a (laughs) nag.
1: Where is the second book? (laughs) (laughs) It's a short story. What happens with the dog? (laughs) flash
2: fiction we'll just call it flash fiction.
1: what kind of dog <laughs> and does the dog die um yes. <laughs> no
2: no, we wouldn't kill no. The
0: dog. don't say that no it
1: just took so
2: dark <laughs> no I, anyway so i've been writing forever but i finished the first book when i was 17. um but no i i actually wrote the son of no man series while i was in vet school I had planned to stop writing in vet school because i was like you know i'm not gonna have time for that you know silliness basically i i need to focus on my studies and devote my time to um you know studying and, and learning and all these extra stuff um and i went one week without writing or editing or doing anything and i legitimately got the shakes and anxiety attacks like i went through what is equivalent to a withdrawal um, from writing. My brain needed it, because if, if my brain doesn't have like to focus on over there, it's winding itself up and getting all panicky about stuff. So this is my therapy. It's like, no, 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 don't worry about whether or not the car is going to crash. Kittable's still stuck in this well over here. Could you please figure out how to get him out, right? Um, so just redirecting to it. Um, and so when I stopped writing, I, I got really, um, my, my mental health was terrible for that, that week period. Um, and when it finally clicked as to what was happening, I turned around and just was like, screw this, I'm, I'm going to write. Fine. You know, I'll just fit it in between stuff. Studies are a priority because is why I'm here. But I will write. It's it's clearly important to me. Um, and so I did. I wrote um, the first book, Ryden. I, I wrote in about eight months, the first eight months of vet school. And the series was completed by the end of my four years, the six book
0: series. Yes, we- that's amazing in and of itself, which is awesome. And I think it's interesting that you say that because um, I think for overthinkers, and, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but for over, I am an overthinker. Like I'm I an overthinker. Think- I do not, and I make no bones about
2: it, totally. Yeah,
0: I will uh, all the way down the path, down the rabbit hole, through the rabbit hole, into what you like, I'm gone. And I think it's true that writing helps you kind of just get off of, that path because you have to focus on doing this other thing and it is very relaxing when you're able for you know it's very relaxing to be thinking about those things. Of course, mine are very dark things. I was going to say but I don't know things. how relaxing yours are if you're well you know, murdering people. She gets out some of that repressed
1: anger, is what it is. Mm. Well,
0: put certain people's faces <laughs> on there or or something and just well, if, you know what's interesting is I do HR for a living. I've talked about that on the show and. The things that people will do, I could never write in a story. We've talked about this, like fictional things, people, non-fictional things people will do. Like people will do in real life. If I put them in a story, nobody would ever believe that that story was accurate. The stranger than fiction problem. Yes. And so when I'm writing my stories, what's neat about it is I go, how do I build up to this? And my stories don't have happy endings. So how do I end this? Where I'm invoking the right emotions that I'm trying to invoke. Nobody goes, oh my God, I read that story and it made me feel so good. And I was like, that's not the end result of reading Erica Lance, like it's just not. So, um, but it's, for me, it's that part because it is horror because you have to put the suspense in it. It's not gore, it's actually horror. And there is a difference between there's blood everywhere. I mean, you see that in movies and stuff like that too where I like a horror movie, I don't like a gore fest movie. Like if it's, yes. if it's just going to be that everywhere, I'm not interested. So for me, it's the figuring out how to lead up to it and how to put the right things in that make it challenging and relaxing to read. Although I'm not going to lie, I have scared the shit out of myself and had to get up and <laughs> walk away from the computer when I'm writing in the middle of the night. And then I'm like, ah, like, you know. <laughs> So all of a sudden I'm hearing noises off, and I'm like, "Great, my house is haunted. I'm leaving. Let's go. I'm burning it down. It's all just That's probably paper. a good sign. It's probably a very good cleanse sign. cleanse it with fire. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is, is like it's, I try
1: to. So I try to branch out and read a couple horror stories. Like I've read a little bit of Stephen King, and I've done something. Some of the things that get me with some of the newer horror writers is it's just gross. Mm-hmm. It's like like they had it's to come not up with a scary. new way of saying
2: it, even yeah. trickier.
0: Yeah, it's not scary. It's not even that. It's just like, why? Well, and I think that's kind of going towards the gore thing is like, I saw that, I remember one of the first times I saw that was, I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street was a gory movie when it first came out and it was terrifying. I mean, they got a little cheesier, but it was a terrifying movie. Something was attacking you while you were sleeping, right? Like this was, and there was dead bodies and stuff like that. But I remember cabin fever was a movie that came out I don't know if anybody's seen it but it was a movie and there's this one scene and it's about this disease people get but she literally you know like grabs her thigh and it comes off during this like disease thing and I'm sitting there watching it's in the very beginning of the movie it's like the opening scene where they show you what's happening and then lead up to how everybody figures out what's happening and I was I literally was like nope and not because I got grossed out or something I was just like this is not interesting to me. Trying to gross me out is not interesting to me. Now it's trying to scare the crap out of me. That is interesting to me. Like that tingling, like, you know, thing. Yeah, you start getting the heart pounding. Yeah. Yes. Get your heart Absolutely. pounding
2: for sure during those ones.
0: Exactly. And and that's what I want is like the, you know, I was talking to um some writers who were writing about. A haunted house thing like a haunted house not a haunted house but a haunted like trail thing that's been in place for years and years so they wrote a fiction book based on the characters in this haunted trail thing and I said you know and they've gone to it for several years they go around and go to these and I was like why do you want to write why do you like this why do you want to write do you get scared and they're like We get scared all the time, but that's, what's fun about it is that feeling right about when you're like the adrenaline, right? When you're about to be scared, they're like, that's what's so amazing about it. And I was like, that would be cool. That's, that's what I want to invoke. I want people to read my book and then not sleep at night. By the way, that's what I, I put in my, my book is things like sweet dreams. Hope you have a good (laughs) night's sleep. Like right at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, and sweet dreams. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Shameless self-promotion time, Dee. Let's talk about what you have coming out and how to find you in your books.
2: Okay. Well, um, I believe we've got the third book coming out in May for the Son of No Man series. That is Northlander. Um, The cover has just been released, so it's all over my social media right now. So find me. um, It's Dee Lambert author is pretty much what you'll find me everywhere. So um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that um books are oh and of course the website dlambertauthor.com it's probably the easiest place to launch off of because it's got all the links there all the books all the series all you know if you want to pick up the oh audiobook brand new that's so exciting Raiden has its own audiobook now which um I'm looking forward to hearing celebrants so that's going to be fun um but all of them are oh sorry it's coming soon it's coming it's coming soon um but yeah very exciting to have the audiobook as well but it's all linked now um through the website's probably the easiest spot to to get them all do you have a newsletter people can sign up for? Absolutely. If you go to the website, you'll get a little prompt at some point or just contact me independently. That'll work too. Um, I send out a newsletter once a month. Usually it's the first Tuesday of the month. Um, I throw in some deals and stuff like that. So cross promotion with other authors so you can get some new authors to learn and see some, you know, ninety cents, 99 cents or free books and stuff like that. But I usually include as well, just a little blurb about where we're at, what's happening. Things like, well, um, the newsletter crew got to see the cover first. That was uh, released just last Tuesday and they were first in line to be able to see that cover. So um, sign up for the newsletter to get all of the uh, updates as they come
0: available. Very, very cool. It was wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Very much enjoyed it. It was great to talk to everybody. Very cool. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing C.R. Rice. Our sponsor is Skunk Brothers Spirits, DWA 10. And you can get this chocolate cordial, which, by the way, was amazing in um, my hot chocolate. Not going to lie. Know, but but you know it. what else I realized this would be great in? is like a white Russian with like Kahlua and vodka and milk and stuff like that. I was thinking milk. a milkshake. Ever since you oh. did the like hot chocolate,
1: I was like, I wonder how It would be in, like a milkshake. Like you just don't tell the person or anything.
0: Just like make it up like have some milkshakes tonight i'm gonna to do that yes. to us next time i see her in person that's what's gonna happen that's fine our amazing guest has been D lambert and we will see you guys next time